Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations facing life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive into today's show. So I'm from Louisiana originally, uh, and you know what's so funny is my my biological dad, uh, after his crazy years, he went to academia, and he ended up earning degree in psychology, master's, and then his doctor, and his IQ is 185. They tested him twice, because I don't think they believed it. <laughs> so <clears throat> I, didn't, I didn't quite get that. I wasn't that side of the gene pool. I must have been in the shallow end with orange floaties on. <laughs> but... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for uh, the degree anyway. I, now when we book our airline tickets, Dr. Marks? Yes. All right, have I sufficiently milked that enough, honey? Yeah, yeah just, just like. All right, so I know. How many of you here have never heard me speak before? Raise your hand. It's your first time. All right, how many... How many of you know about my ministry and my testimony? All right, so there you go. Thank you all. I appreciate you all. And I'm thankful those of you who drove a distance to get here. So it's always great to see old friends and new friends. And, and I, I wish I could have a cup of coffee with every one of you. Uh, so, but this is good. And I, you've got Pastor Joe who's an exceptional Bible expositor and teacher, line upon line and uh, verse by verse, and, uh, and that's where you come to get fed. Uh, if we were back in this area, we'd be sitting right there getting fed. So with that said, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to teach the word line upon line. <laughs> we're just going to visit a little bit. Does that sound good? Uh, but we'll use the word as a platform to do it. Now, I do like the scriptures. I like the word. I'm I'm ordained through Calvary Chapel, um, although I was never really good as a pastor. <laughs> and even as an assistant pastor, I think they just, they, I don't know why they did that. But uh, no, I mean, I, I was on staff down in Vista, California with uh, Brian Broderson. Yeah, Brian Broderson. And, and uh, he was really new in ministry. Uh, I'm just kind of nostalgic because I'm getting older. Anybody with me? Oh, my goodness. I turned 55 in July. 55. And I'm like, uh, I like it. I'm, don't get me wrong. I, I like being older. But time is just, it's clipping right along. And uh, I, I was reflecting back to when I was in ministry and Brian brought me on staff. And, you know, I tried to work with the kids first because that's safe. Right? <laughs> They're like, put them on. But the problem is, I was uh, just out the Marine Corps or not. I don't even know if I was. Uh, and I just can I just say the the hand and glove uh, reference not so much. How about hand and hook? Because we shook hands earlier. He clapped on me. I was like, "Let go, Marine." He's like, "I got you. I got you now." Marine humor. Well, I can get worse. Don't worry. Uh, but I, I, they let me teach this little Bible study for kids, and, uh, and I was excited. They said, here's your lessons plan, and, 
and the elementary school kids or whatever. I said, great. So I started really studying. I went the next day, and it was on David and Goliath. And what a great Bible study. I mean, what a, oh, my goodness, you know, overcoming the big bully and all that. So when I taught it, I was like, oh, hey, kids, so here. And I, I did a little background checking on it. And I was looking at everything through the eyes of a Marine. So I was like, so you got this one guy, and you got battle lines drawn, and this guy, he's, so everybody, nobody's coming. This young guy does, and he goes and try to put armor on him. He said, I don't need that. And it's, that's right. I got a sling, and I'm, I'm good at it. And, and boom, he hits the, boom, and the guy falls down. Then David grabs the guy's sword, and he cuts his head off, and he's like hacking. And then he has to pick it up with both hands. And, it's like, and you know, if there's still oxygen, the eyes will blink for a little bit. And you get a little squirt. And the kids were like this. And the, and the regular teacher was in the back going. I was like, yeah, he cut. Oh, so I caused PTSD to those kids right there. That's, that's really when the ministry started, me causing trauma to children. And then, you know, they made the mistake of wanting me to counsel married folks. I wasn't even married yet. Welcome to Calvary Chapel, you know. There was a need, help them. I was like, okay. Uh, and then I never forget a guy come in, and he was like, oh, my, my wife, we're not getting along, and bad things happen. And I was like, oh. So I learned a lot about the grace of God, the grace of God. So I remember calling the wife saying, hey, you got to forgive him. I know he's messed up. She's like, well, he cheated on me. I was like, well, hey, I know you got you to forgive him. That's what the good book says. And she's like, huh. So she forgave him. I put him back together. Well, guess what? He did it again. That was a few months later. And she calls me and she's like, hey, this, this ain't good. And, and he's, now he's using drugs and, and it started escalating. So I meet with him again and he's, he's very... Oh, you know, I don't know what's going on. I said, all right, man. Well, all right, well, let's try to get you together again. And and sure enough, she takes him back because I'm a good counselor. And uh, <laughs> and I ain't kidding you off. Just a few months later, she calls and says, he's he has never really repented, Victor. He's still cheating. It's escalated. He's using crack. He just ran out of the house, and he hit our little daughter on the way out. He bounced her off of a wall, a toddler. Where am And she said, what do I do? I said, you call the police is what you do. We'll let, we'll let government, you know, ordained by God take care of this. And she said, well, you be ready in case he comes over there. I said, oh, I'll be ready. <laughs> and guess who came into the church? He came in, and he saw me, and he was like, and then he started looking for another pastor because it was a big church. And I was like, oh, I think I can help you out. <laughs> I kind of did a little. God, I said, hey, man. And we, we walked in my office and he's like, we sat down. I put him behind my desk this time. And I sat by the door and shut the door. I said, so what's going on there? He goes, oh, man, my life's messed up. Things aren't going good. And he goes, you know, I have, I've messed up again. And God, and and he's just acting repentant, but he really wasn't. I said, I know. She actually, your wife called me. And he goes, huh? I said, yeah. And she told me, you hit your little toddler. You punched a kid on your way out. And he goes, oh, yeah. And he goes, I don't know what's wrong with me. And he goes, maybe I should get beat up. 
I said, well, sometimes that works. And uh, I'll help you out with that. So I went after him. He's on the ground. I got him pinned. It, does this shock you at this point? True story. Call. I got this guy pinned down. He's screaming and kicking, and the door flies open, and it's one of the older pastors. And... <laughs> non-military version, and he says, uh, uh, Victor, Victor, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, and I'm thinking, I'm counseling right here, <laughs> do people just barge in on you during your sessions, hold still, yes, you better stop, and he goes, uh, Victor, can I talk to you for a minute, I was like, okay, sure, he ain't going nowhere, so I walked out, and he knew what he was dealing with, right? Uh, young Marine and Myman IQ. <laughs> Strong back, weak mind. And he's like, uh, Victor, when... <laughs> Gaylord Tohill, it was Gaylord. He's in heaven now. But Gaylord was like, Victor, when people come into council, uh, we don't hit them. And I was like already knew and I was going to be a future PhD. And I said, uh, I was like, uh, Pastor Gaylord, I understand that. But we have a little waiver because he actually invited me saying, yeah, uh, maybe I should get me. So I, the church is clear. <laughs> and the guy, I guess he can hear me. He's like, call the police. You better shut up. <laughs> we ain't done. That was phase one. And Gaylord, bless his heart, he just goes, okay, Victor, I, I'll finish this. And I was like, yeah, I think you can. He's softened up pretty good. So and I remember walking down the hall, and all the pastors had their little offices, and every door is open. As I walk by them, they're like, I'm like, Go get you some. I'm sure he's still there. Like, you want me to set that up? Okay. Uh, true story. Honey, are you actually laughing back there? This is, when I can make my wife laugh. All right. <laughs> Must be a combination of the whole doctor deal going on. <laughs> you guys, aren't you thankful God's gracious with us? And he got a lot of grace on us. And I think there's a good balance, though, and Christians need it today between grace and grit. Because somehow we lost it. Somehow we just went for all grace and got sloppy, agape, where it don't matter what, you can sin, you can do what you want. And there's no recourse. That's not the word of God. That's not the word of God, what it teaches. A lot of times people come to church and hide behind the cloak of Christianity to continue to live a life that's not freeing to them and causes destruction around them. You know, and Christians don't call each other on it. You know? And Pastor Joe, we were talking about this morning, you know, there's, there's a place where you come to church and there's a vulnerability to it. And you're looking to the person who's teaching the word and you trust them. And that's a lot of responsibility. 
But man, don't you ever fall for someone. Don't, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, probably a duck. And the machine of Christianity and the people who are gifted to teach or speak have run amok in America. I'm just telling you all the truth. Where I don't hold high esteem or respect for a lot of them anymore that I used to. Why did it change? Well, because everything was good as long as the bubble was perfect. I teach the word, you listen to me, and maybe one day you can make it to my standard of godliness. Is that kind of a somewhat sense of how Christian church has kind of been? Where we focus on the person up here and, well, if I could, let me tell you what, the person up here is no different than you sitting there. We're just all part of the body of Christ. Uh, take a football analogy. You got a quarterback who everybody looks for. He gets the MVP most of the time. But you take the line away on half the plays. What does he become? Ground. <laughs> and let me tell you, I think people who are doing it real and serving and being real shepherds, they lay down their life for you. I mean, you know. And you have to be willing to take the correction if they look at you and go, what are you doing? Straighten up. I had a friend. I had a friend. I still have a friend. He's a pastor. When this whole COVID thing hit, he texted me. I had a lot of pastors who were kind of quiet for a while. And all of a sudden, they're calling and texting me. Hey, man, what do you think? You know, what? I'm all, what do you mean what I think? You know, yeah, how bad is it going to get? I'm like, well, why didn't you text me last week and say, how good is it? Now you're just reaching out because things are crazy? And they're like, yeah, but you, you dwell happily in crazy <laughs> because we, we do. I mean, we, we've had safe houses in Iraq, recovering and rescuing children from ISIS, doing fighting. And can you imagine that being your day job and night where I come home about 2 in the morning, I got a kid, my team is exhausted. I go, here's an orphan. His mom and dad were just killed. Give them to my wife. She hugs them, then she gives them to our children. Yeah, our children were with us in Iraq. Yeah, why? Because if their children are there, are ours any more more important than theirs? Not before the eyes of God. You want to trip some people out, especially Muslims. Bring your kids to Iraq when they're fighting the worst evil ever, ISIS. And they're going, but you bring our children. Your own family. Yeah, we'll enter the suffering with y'all and the risk. As somebody once told me, are you preaching the gospel? I mean, are you? how many of them Muslims are you converting? I'm like, oh, another super saint. <laughs> I said, well, I'm not really great at preaching the gospel, but I try and I've kind of been reduced to living it. You know how many people who uh, try to educate me on it? I've said, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you fly into Baghdad? I'll have one of my teams pick you up. We'll drive you to a real target-rich environment, a lot of non-believers. And uh, why don't you show us how you do it? <laughs> we'll be happy to watch and maybe video, too. So no one's ever taken me up on it. I just think that, you know, what we're called to do is hear the word of God, then do it. But do you do you ever just hear the Lord? You personally. 
Because if all you're getting is once a week here, man, that you're going to be weak and a target of the enemy the rest of the six days out there or seven days without our time frame. Does that make sense? Your walk has to be personal for you and him. You come in to get supplemental training. Does that make sense? This, this, this Fellowship is great. We want a fellowship. But we saw how all this changed with COVID, didn't we? And then you started really seeing what people were made out of. It's like when you're in combat, you find out what people are really about. When bullets start flying and things start going sideways because, well, in combat, everything's smooth, always. You're getting shot at her. One day I counted, I think it was 40 mortars dropped on us as we're moving to our target to help women and children. And we're not even military anymore. We're just old guys. We're like the old expendables. There's a village held by ISIS. They're shooting at us. We're engaged. We're, you know, going to help. But, you know, you got to sometime, if they shoot it, you got to shoot back. And and I'm running. My buddy Dave Eubank is running faster than me. And he's older than me and more broken than me. And he's running like an old lady. No offense, old ladies, but I, he just, <laughs> I mean, he. And I remember we stopped and, man, uh, I'm leaning. My back start. My back literally started going out. I'm like, oh my gosh, ISIS is right over there. I'm, I have to lean my AK against the wall, and I'm like, oh my goodness, you kidding me? He's like, what's going on? I said, I'm, I'm going to get captured because my back's going out. <laughs> this, this is. Give me three grenades. It's like there are no more pineapple grenades, Victor. That's Vietnam. Oh, okay, World War Two. <laughs> I said, Lord, what are we doing? He's like, you're obeying me. And then the Holy Spirit would really speak to me. I remember sitting in a, a one of our vehicles, and uh, I very clearly heard the Holy Spirit say, get out. I was like, you don't have to say that twice. <laughs> I got out, and I started moving out of the wall. I said, Dave, I, think it was, I just heard the Lord. He goes, Okay. Within, within a couple of minutes, ISIS had a drone, hand-controlled drone, not a big one, carrying a mortar, and they dropped it right on our position, right next to the Humvee. And David actually, he caught shrapnel on his helmet, a helmet that I gave him and he didn't want to wear because he's like, I don't like all this. I'm wearing the helmet, Dave. Pinky was like, Oh, my goodness. And the trapman went through his sleeve. We were layered up. And after it hit, boom, he's like, ah, check me. I think I'm hit. You know, we started going through his and layer torn, layer torn, layer torn. And then exit, shrapnel didn't even hit his arm. And I was like, that's like George Washington stuff, man. <laughs> you know what? He's like, I know. I said, all right, well, we... Let's not press this, right? I mean, God's been great. He later got shot. He later got shot right through the wrist. He's like, don't worry. It didn't hit anything. And he's wrapping it. I'm like, would you take some? I'm trying to, like, we should get you out. He goes, no, we can't. We're moving forward. All right, Dave. When you hold those kids, 
And when you look in the eyes of a girl who was held captive by ISIS, and they're going, why are you here? And we say, God loves us and we love you. And Jesus sent us, and there's so many Christians praying for y'all right now against this evil. And they, they're just blown away. Blown away. Because God calls us to join him in stopping the manifestation of evil. That's my point of grit and grace. But you've got to hear from the Lord. If you can't hear from the Holy Spirit, I just saw something on social media, a really well-known Christian said, I never really hear from the Lord at all. He said it. I don't hear from the Lord at all. But I do read his word, and I know what his plan is, but he, I don't really feel like he speaks to me. And I thought, well, that's a shame. Man, he speaks to me all the time. Maybe too much. <laughs> Maybe the medication i got to adjust. And I can now that I'm a doctor. <laughs> I just want to get my script. <laughs> it's medicinal. <laughs> That's kind of funny. I don't care who you are. <laughs> no, I, 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 I hear from the Lord. But, you know, the problem is I read the text and he talked to other people. So, doggone it, I believed it. If I'm guilty of anything, it's believing what the Bible says and then expecting it. That's why I look at some of these older guys. I'm like, y'all taught that things would happen, so I believed it. What happened to y'all when COVID hit? That pastor friend of mine, he called me, he goes, Victor, he goes, I've been teaching the word of God to this body, you know, steady, consistently for 25 years or whatever. He goes, COVID hits, you know what they do? The biggest thing they want is, we got to get toilet paper. <laughs> that literally, he goes, toilet paper? What have I been doing? What am I teaching? Personal hygiene? I don't know, man. I, you, hey, travel around the world where toilet paper don't exist. You don't freak out. But yeah, Christians in America. Standing in line at Costco. For hours. Back off. A toilet paper. Oh my gosh. Go five minutes over the standard time at a Bible study. Wait two hours in line for toilet paper? This is where I'm suffering for the Lord. Is a pretty good telling of where we're at as a as the church in America. That hardship is supposed to get us. Anybody from Mexico, anybody raised south of the border, anybody from other countries where you experience stuff that you go, holy. Anybody from socialist countries? You don't see a lot of people moving from here to go to socialist countries, do you? Yeah, we got a lot of young people saying, We this is what we want. Really? Well, go get it. <laughs> but I think you're going back to your little condominium where your parents are still funding your trust account. White girl. He said it. He just said it. I'll tell you what, for the Black Lives Matter, there's a whole lot of white people in it.
This is what I say. I, hey, I'm all for the message, but not that organization. I have researched it. My teams have researched it. Uh, see how much money that's been raised has gone toward the black community. Just let's start there. No, I'll tell you what. And none of us should be expecting the government to bail us out, organization. The church should. The church should be so knit and tied, and we take care of each other. What I do love is my friend with that church, he goes, there's some elderly people. He goes, you know what? We went and stood in line for hours, got taller people, and we were ministering by bringing to them. And they were like, thank you, and food and water. The church, we have to do it. Uh, we, we abdicate our abilities and authorities far too much to other people and wait. Let's just, now I'm, I'm pro-law enforcement all the way. I train law enforcement officers. I'm pro-military, right? There's some dirt bags in every area, including the pulpits, right? We get that, right? I, I mean, I, we came back from a trip from Iraq, and I was wound tight. Anybody understand that? You, you come back and, you know, you're, I remember I was doing 100 and something, <clears throat> On the one-on-one, and my wife was just gently touching my arm because <laughs> she knows when I'm like, that. don't talk, don't try to fix it. Just, she's like, honey, we're right here. But I couldn't get by a vehicle. I couldn't get by anything on the road. Something. Uh, I remember I counted over 75 IEDs on my last pump in. They were just sitting right outside the road because they were dug up but not taken apart, just moved so we could see them. And I did everywhere, and V beds, and so my mind was just, man. And thank God I got pulled over by a CHP officer. And when he pulled me over, I got out of the vehicle. Have you know that ain't right? And I trained, I, I said, hey, he goes, hey, stay by your vehicle. I said, I know this is not standard operating. I said, hey, I'll, hey, I'm wound pretty tight right now. I just got back from Iraq. And I, I, I understand. He goes, all right. And then, thank goodness, I had my dog in the back. He could see my dog. He goes, where were you? And I told him, I was in Mosul. And this was just like, you know, like just 36 months ago. This wasn't way back. This was, and I just got back in there. He goes, all right, hang on. And then he goes back. I think he must have run my place or something. He comes back. It was on rental anyway. So <clears throat> he goes, take the next exit. Unwind yourself, Marine. I said, Roger that. And let me go, and I was doing a hundred and something. <laughs> I almost used help. I'm being held captive by this. <laughs> but I called my friend, a colleague of mine. He's my he's he's our head of operations for our, our ministry. And uh, he served in special operations community 25 years and ended up in the unit, or Delta, for Chuck Norris fans. So uh, he's got a 1,000 missions and uh, highly, highly successful. And, and I called him, and this is what the body of Christ should look like because he is a Christian, but it's because we serve on teams together. I said, hey, I'm not thinking right. I'm not, I'm not processing things right. He goes, all right. I said, uh, so I just got pulled over, so I took the next exit, but man, I, I just got to talk to somebody. He goes, 
And he goes, uh, you know you're going to be okay. I said, I do, but I'm not thinking right right now. Things are, because I felt like I was back in Iraq. Anybody relate? Anybody? Mm-hmm. Where you're just like, oh, and can't stand people. And it's like, uh, I said, do you remember the day you didn't fit into society any longer? And without hesitation, he goes, yes, I do. I said, this is my day. I thought I was there a while back. It's a whole different level. He goes, all right, I got you. But are you all right? I said, yeah. Then he said this. He goes, with his wisdom as a Delta, he goes, you feel like you're riding a bull? I go, yeah. He goes, in a tornado? Uh, yeah. He goes, upside down? I said, yes. <laughs> then you know what he said? He goes, enjoy it. <laughs> Freaked me out. I was like, dang, you're army. That's. <laughs> and then the next line, I was, <laughs> he goes, I miss those days. And I was like, you're Delta. You are definitely Delta. <laughs> I'm going to get off the line now. I feel better talking to somebody crazier. <laughs> and yet, he helped lead our teams to find, pursue, and prosecute pedophiles. And we were trying to get a video for y'all. I sent it to Pastor... But it was too late. But you can go online and check it out. But uh, there's a girl named Nora. Anybody know the Nora store from Cambodia? Very wealthy guy. Uh, raped her, did horrible things, the worst things. Uh, took her hand off, um, poured battery acid on her face, all this type of stuff. And um, evil, evil, evil. We did the recovery of her. We transported her, and we had, we had to rescue her and then we got her to a hospital and when the rich guy found out she lived he sent three guys to kill her and our team lead there who's holly holly's our team lead because she has our safe house she's from southern california little blonde girl she's like hi well holly but holly's the type of guy that walk up to a guy pimping a girl in cambodia in the red light district and go i want to buy her I want to pay for it and buy her freedom. And the guy's like, all right. So she pulls out the money, gives them to him. And and one girl, she went to take him. The guy grabbed the girl again and said, no, I want more. She goes, no, we made a deal. I bought her. You don't own her anymore. She's coming on with me. The guy's like, no, she's not. Holly grabbed him by the scruff of the neck. Boom, 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 wham. Think that again. How's that for a ministry leader? I was a little bit much. I remember asking Holly, Holly, what is the deal with you? I said, you just, you know, Southern California, a little blonde head girl. She goes, I was in the Mexican mafia for a while. <laughs> she goes, I was, I was a pimp. <laughs> I was bringing drugs in from Mexico and went to prison for a lot of years and kind of ran my wing. <laughs> I was like, you go, girl. Right, she mama. Um, but see, God, he'll take people with backgrounds and, and, and he'll turn it and redeem it for his glory, right? So Holly calls me and says, we got her in the hospital, 
but I got a bad feeling about this. Can we move her to a different floor and put guns on her? I said, heck yeah. So we wired the money because everything costs money to do, right? Ministry costs money. Boom, boom, boom. We wired money. She moved them. We put guns on her. Three guys came in. They were not successful. We got a picture of them walking in saying, her dad sent us. They're like, well, her dad is dead. She's an orphan. So the video actually shows, because people said, you'll never get him. He's wealthy. He's untouchable. He can move in and out of the country. You know, he owns the police force in this province. You'll never get him. I said, really? I remember being on the phone with Holly, and she had to make a decision with the girl, Nora. And Nora's looking at me, and we're FaceTiming, and Nora's all bandaged up. She's in the hospital. I said, Nora, you have to make a choice. This guy will pay you $10,000 to never press charges. And I know it's a lot of money for a girl working in a factory. But I said, if you, if you just trust me, one, I'll, I'll send $40,000 to you and your family because she's an orphan with little siblings. And I said, and I'll catch him and we'll make him pay. But it's up to you and I understand if you don't want to go through it. She couldn't even answer, burned so bad, but her little lip went like this. And she smiled. And Holly goes, she smiled, we're good. <laughs> that pressure was on me to keep my word. Man, we, we could not get him. And I said, Lord, this is a spiritual battle. This is beyond tactics and field craft. This guy is demonized, and we need people praying. And that's when some of you started praying. And then remember, it was like, I need everybody to pray right now. But we couldn't let him know if he's monitored, right? So we have to kind of, hmm, shell game. Within a week, we caught him. A week. And we got a video, too. A monster. A monster. And people, like, during the whole year were like, why don't you just kill him? I go, well, killing's easier. You can smoke somebody easy. But the better is real, pure justice to keep him, have him tried, and have the world and all of Cambodia know you can be a wealthy pedophile monster and you will pay a price. And you guys, kind of an update. Last week we just froze his assets. We got his money now. So Holly, yeah, Holly, Holly and the team, we're going to give that money to uh, uh, Nora. So pretty stinking cool. So First Samuel three two through two, uh, two through ten. That's the reference of the scripture I never talked about, but I like a lot. And all it is is the story. You have to read it, but you have to read it at home. Oh, you do? Would y'all want to see the video? Oh, let well, let's roll it. Let, <laughs> we're always looking for God's justice.
got baptized right there. Hey, thanks for pulling that up. Uh, uh, So isn't that encouraging? See, God is a just God. And there are scriptures you can't do away with. And yet sometimes in America in the Western church, we just grace, grace, grace. What about grit, grit, grit? What about the other ones, you know? And I'll tell you what, it's, um, uh, we see God doing great things. And my encouragement to you all today in that scripture, if you read about Samuel and Eli. Samuel is an, he's an, the older prophet. Eli is a young kid. And remember, he wakes up because he hears the Lord call for him. And he runs into Samuel. He's like, here I am. And he goes, I didn't call you. He's like, oh. He went back to bed. Then he hears again. He gets up. He goes, comes back. You just called me. He goes, no, I didn't. And then Samuel called on. He goes, I think you may be hearing from the Lord. So if you hear that again, just tell the Lord. Uh, oh, was it backwards? Who is it? E- oh, Eli was the knucklehead. Sorry, Eli. So he's talking to Samuel, right? <laughs> My wife. I was like, what? I? You want to need a cigarette? Don't smoke here. Just fire. Go out. Take, take your marbles. Marble reds. Sorry. So, yeah. <laughs> Told you. Sixth grade, best four years of my life. So Eli's the prophet. He's telling Samuel. But it's really interesting. And really, you know, when, whenever the pastor tells you, go home and read it, you never do. So I'm going to tell you, go home and reread the story. Read the story. If you're not a Bible thumper, neither am I. But go read it. It's really interesting. Word for word. Where uh, he, Eli's the bad, well, he's a prophet. But he had allowed sin to come into his home. And after all this, and Samuel's getting the word from the Lord, and he's like, and then Samuel as a kid was nervous to go tell Eli. Because Eli was like, so, did, you, did he talk to you? Yes, sir. What did he say? Well, <laughs> so you want to know? Tell me everything the Lord told you. So he did. And basically it was, Eli, you've allowed sin to come into your home. Your boy's out of control. They've desecrated the sanctuary. God's temple. You've done nothing, so God's judgment is going to be on y'all. That's what's happened in America. In Christianity, we have just allowed. We have allowed the culture to influence the church, and we've just been, well, it's the way it is. Is it really? Is it really? Some of you come from strong enough backgrounds. Could you imagine if you ever F-bombed your parent, what would happen? That, that was a very satisfying rule. <laughs> the culture doesn't influence our... We take a stand and go, as far as me and my house, we serve the Lord. This is, this is where we stand. That's not going to happen. My kids started listening to bad music. And look at me. My wife and I, we've experienced everything. That marriage book, buy that marriage book. Oh, wait, it's free. Get that. <laughs> Honey, we ain't bringing the money. Why? That's my wife's first marriage book. And it's, it's, we've been separated twice. We've had kids out of control. I mean, when you got to call the cops on your own kids, they're out of control, right? And, uh, or kick them out of the house. I remember my wife was like, you're out. 
I was like, honey, she's eight, but I support you. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's a tough world. Get out there. Show us how it's done. <laughs> no, I remember one time, my kids, y'all remember when, hey, the whole genre of music to where it's all of a sudden it got really raunchy? You know, uh, the Sugar Hill Gang rap went to, and then it got really, really bad. But we were like, well, it's an expression of inner city. We got to let them... It's like, you ain't got to let profanity and filth invade your kid's mind. And then, and, and then it went to girls of whores. And, my, and it's like, who talks like that? What's happening? And Christian kids, no different than secular kids. And it's because we went through it. Oh, my gosh, did we go through it. I mean, I remember going, what's worse? We've homeschooled. Now they're in regular... I remember I was so desperate one time, late night, I saw Evangelist TV show, and they offered miracle oil for rebellious children. I ordered two. I'm not kidding you. I literally put it in our, our kids' laundry. I was putting it on their pillows. I remember writing to people, you bunch of liars that don't work. Stop sending me letters for money. Fake. I, I come home one time, my kids listened to the, that was when the boxes were out. And man, very explicit profanity. I walked in and said, hey, hey. They got all their high school buddies. They're like, oh, turn. I said, not my house. No. Uh-uh. Me and my house will serve the Lord. This is my sanctuary when we come home. We got younger siblings. You don't bring that trash in here. I said, I can't control your heart, but I can control what comes into my home. Don't ever do that again. Another time I came home from a trip, I think it was early, I walked in and I could hear it blaring, all the junk. I walk up there and they were like, oh, then turn it off. I said, oh, it's okay. They got all their friends there. I just unplugged it, picked it up, and walked downstairs. Because you know what I was thinking? It's, I bought this. I paid for electricity. This is being, I paid for these steps I'm going down. <laughs> It's my door right here. I walked out to our front yard and I put it down and then I poured gasoline on it, took a match. And my kids are like, Mom, Dad's freaking out again. Black billowing smoke. And yet my kids' friends were like this, Yo, Dad is so cool. He, he does not play. I was like, no, I don't. I remember he used to tell my teenagers, you're worth fighting for. You want me to fight for you? You're worth fighting for. You just want me to let you get eat up by this world. And it takes work and effort. It's easier being shot at by ISIS than it is to raise kids in this culture. Because at least I can see my known enemy and hurt their feelings. But man, you got to pray. You got to intercede. You got to fast. You got to stand in the gap and say, I love you. But it, I can still disagree with you. And, and then not lose your temper and choke them and go to prison. So, <laughs> so I'll close with this. What if the election turns out great? Because this is probably the last time I'm speaking for the election. What if the election turns out great for you, whether you're for Trump or Biden? What, what if it just turns out great and everything is great again? <laughs> What? 
Do we want the church to go back to what it was? Heck no. I tell you, regardless of what's happening, it's an opportunity for the church to do a reset, to do a do-over. Remember when you were a kid? Can I just do a do-over? Hey, whatever God does, and remember, through victory, good things happen. But through defeat and hardship and persecution, the church oftentimes gets purified. So don't freak out either way. But either way, go, I want to follow you, Lord. And if you need to stand up against the face of culture and the darkness that's trying to roll in, stand in the gap and say, nope, not here. No, not here. I just saw a video of Antifa people attacking a truck. You see him, right? Attacking a truck. A guy gets out of him. He's a big moke. And there's this little guy wearing skinny jeans and, you know... You know, Pella's all get out because, you know, so much for black lives. Skinny lives. (laughs) This big guy comes out. He just goes, and he just body blocks him. And the guy goes tumbling. And it's like, (laughs) and you hear everybody screaming, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. The big guy was like, you ain't even worth hitting. I think that's, that's about what it boils down to. And all we have to do is stand for what is right. And look to the Bible. I just made a video, and it's why I'm not voting for Trump. You got to watch it. I'm getting a little sneak. I'm not voting him because he's a politician. I'm not voting for him because he's a pastor. I'm not voting for him because of this. I'm voting for the person that most aligns to the biblical values that I hold dear. That I say, I got grandchildren. I got grandchildren. And, man, I would never vote for anybody that would let a baby die seconds before it's born. Never. 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 All right. This is what I'll say. How come we don't talk about being born again again? That's my encouragement to y'all. Does anybody remember when the term born again was actually pretty powerful? We relegated it to Christians. I can remember my daughter saying, Dad, I want to introduce you to Joe Shamo. He's a Christian. And I would go, means nothing to me. What's your character like? I don't care if you're a Christian or not. Who are you as a person? What are you doing behind closed doors? I remember I was so fed up. I pulled out a gun one time, put it in a guy's hand, said, put it to my head. He's like, I'm very uncomfortable. lean into the barrel. He's like, oh, crap. (laughs) My daughter's going, Mom, Dad's doing it again. And I snatched the weapon away and pointed back at him. Don't mess with my daughter. (laughs) Cut you up. We'll cut you. Sorry, letting the crazy man come up. I'm so glad my kids grew up, at least our first litter. They're all married, walking with the Lord. And they're giving us grandbabies. They're walking with the Lord. So don't give up. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope, you know. And, you know, some aspects of human trafficking I can understand. Teenagers, go. 
go to another country for a while and come back. That's a joke, but some of you who struggle, you know exactly. You're like, oh my gosh. Hey, don't give up on your kids. Don't, don't, don't lose that battle. Don't, don't fall into despair. And by faith, don't look at them what they're doing now. Look at them for who God made them to be. And I remember I used to tell one of my daughters, who was a wild girl, I was just like, devil's going to, he's going to hate what he did. Woo, he's going to, he's going to want to repent. And sure enough, she's a mommy with a little baby, married, married a Mexican. (laughs) So funny. Because they were like, welcome to our family. I was like, well, welcome to our family. And then we went to one of the family get-togethers. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Hello, family. How many are y'all? They're like, oh, everywhere. I was like, I can go. Yes. So we got a little baby burrito girl. I was like, <laughs> I always told people I'm a reverse coconut. Brown on the inside, but white on the outside. <laughs> if you don't know Jesus Christ or you actually don't walk with him, why not? If you're a Christian, but you're not his disciple, like really, why not? It's just an honest question. What? What's that important that all eternity needs to hang in the balance for you? What? Your sin, how good is it? How good is it? Is it worth eternity? Is it worth losing your family? Come on. I mean, eternity. We're all going to die. That's why this whole COVID thing, I'm like, take precautions. If you're high risk, stay home. Use a mask. Get in a, if I was super high risk, I'd be in a bubble right now. Hey, how's everybody doing? <laughs> That's the way I'm delivering a message because I feel most comfortable. I would, honestly. I'm like, I, you know, I got no need to. But the reality, do you trust God with your life? And why are Christians afraid to die? We, our fathers went before us. Our forefathers went before We all die. Don't let the fear of death. That's one thing I'll say about covid it should make everybody's like, everybody's afraid. I go, well, some should be. <laughs> Eternity is in the balance. But my gosh, when you live in Iraq and when you get shot at and people still to this day, we were in San Diego, pulled up to a hotel. They're going to take our car. The, the key guy goes, hey, you victim Marcus. I was like, yep, I am. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, young man with an Iraqi accent? He goes, my family, we follow you on the Facebook. We love you. We, we love you. We love all you do for our people. I was like, okay, right on. <laughs> it's our reality. It's our reality. But we don't worry about dying. It's like my wife said the first time we went in, and I didn't want her to go. She goes, what's the worst that can happen? We die? I said, yes. <laughs> You know what she goes? She goes, but then don't we win? Hell, you really believe this stuff? I mean, I believe it too. I mean, uh, don't show off. I believe. 
but I just kind of believe it like I'm really, really old in a bed, and all the grandkids around and harps, and, and I'm like, I'm so tired, and now I'm ready to die. I mean, I, Lord, I'm really tired. I want to go. I'm 105, and my jeans don't fit anymore, so I'm ready to go. Nope. My wife's like, in death or life, we glorify him. I'm like, oh, you wear me out, girl. Mm-hmm. Best line my wife's ever told me, this is free. As a husband, when I ain't doing right, ladies, you want to know it? It's a secret weapon. Best line, and it ain't nagging. It ain't nagging. Tell me, does nagging work? No. Best line my wife's ever used on me that has worked. She goes, honey, lead me better than that. You're better than that. Lead me better than that. I got nothing except conviction. And wow, you deserve better than that, honey. I'm sorry. <laughs> and even though they serve Pat Blue River anymore. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know what's going on up here. I thought I could see my grandbabies. We flew in, and that's where you're going to see them this afternoon. So I got a lot of joy. A lot of joy. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.